0: like to give you a little bible quiz who comes first in the story of the bible you ready adam or jesus adam it was a trick question i guess it is adam
1: If I said, who comes first, Adam or the eternal son, you'd have to say the eternal son, because he's the eternal son, who becomes Jesus later. So that was a trick question.
0: Uh, How about Job or Solomon? Job,
1: somebody was very sure, and that is correct, Job. Job. Uh okay, I'm making this up as I go.
0: Jonah or Isaiah? Uh
1: I'm going to tell you right now. I don't remember.
0: <laughs> How about uh Ezekiel or Jeremiah?
1: Some of us are very sure. Well, I'm, I'm giving you this quiz. And I'm taking this quiz myself at the moment. and I'm, I should know these, the answers to these questions. But so should you. What if you didn't? What if you... Are not that familiar. Like, you know the Bible stories, but you don't know the Bible story. As in, who came first, Abraham
0: or Ananias? Abraham was way
1: before Ananias, but there's more than one Ananias, so hmm, who knows? Uh, Suppose you don't know that. Well, I'd like to make a suggestion for you. Read the Bible. Have you read the Bible? Have you read the whole thing? Well, now, here's the problem. You can read the whole Bible, and it might not help you necessarily sort out the whole story of the Bible. Because here's the thing. If you look in the book... If you look in the book, you might think Esther and Ruth happen at about the same time. Why would you think that? Well, because they're right next to each other in the Bible. But here's the thing, Esther and Ruth don't happen anywhere near each other in the story. So, it would be useful, perhaps, to know the story so that when you read Ruth, you know what it's for in the story because the whole Bible is the story of creation, fall, redemption, consummation. And each one of the stories in the Bible has a place in the story the story of our redemption in Christ. And it's good to when you read the book of Ruth to understand its part in that story. Did you know, for example, that Ruth is the great-grandmother of David?
0: Did you know that that's why the story of Ruth is in the Bible? That's why. Well, so all of this is a giant
1: advertisement, a commercial, if you will. It's a commercial for this little thing, this little piece of paper. I'll read you the title. Bible Reading Plan in Historical Order. So this Bible reading plan, oh my goodness, look at all that it has a daily reading and these daily readings are arranged in the actual order of the story as best we can arrange it and it's not that difficult i don't want to give you the idea that it's really hard to figure out where everything goes in this Uh, but so for example you will read from genesis 1 to genesis 11 and then you'll read Job because that's actually where the story of Job occurs in the story of the Bible. It's, Job happens at roughly the same time as Abraham. Anyway, so you get the idea. And uh, there's, I don't know how many of these readings, but if you do them all and you do them once a day, it will take you two re- years to read through the whole text of the Bible. What that means is you're not reading for a long time every day. You could do it a lot faster and it wouldn't be that much trouble. So if you really want to get it and get it quickly, you could read, I don't know, two or three of these in a day. There's no dates in this document because here's what I've discovered about dates on the Bible reading plan. They can only discourage me because there's going to be a day when I don't have time for this. Wow, that is a horrible thing to say about myself, isn't it? But it's true. There's going to be a day when I don't have time for this, and then the next day when I go to read it, I'm reading yesterday. Oh, now I've got to catch up. Now this has become a chore in my life. This is no chore. This is an opportunity, and if it looks like a chore, you should do whatever else you want to do. So... Uh, this way, you have there's a checkbox. But if I was announcing this today, like I am, and the first date said January, the first reading said January first on it, you'd already be two weeks behind. You haven't even started. So just do it as you have time. It's also a good idea if you're going to have a Bible reading plan, any kind of plan to read through the text of the Bible. It's a good idea not to put too much pressure on yourself. Here's another thing that happens to me when I'm reading the Bible. I'm reading along and everything's fine, and then I read something and I go, what on earth? I have no idea what that is or what that means or why it would be in here. I can read the law of Moses and have really Really, no basis of relating it to my life because I do not own any cows. Do you own any cows? If you own some cows, there's some law in the law of Moses about what if someone kills someone's cow. Now, there's ways of relating that to you and me, but it doesn't, it's not direct. This is true of a good deal of what's in the Bible. So my suggestion is read it with just this question in mind, not the question which we always, we always want to read everything in the Bible like it serves some personal devotional purpose. It doesn't. It just doesn't. The law about cows really doesn't serve any devotional purpose for me except something really abstracted like stealing is bad. All right, so here's my suggestion. When you're reading then, you're reading for this purpose to find out what is in the Bible because you don't already know like you might want to. Your goal is, and it's printed right here, What is in this passage? That's all. Simple, simple. And when you read the Bible with this in mind, you become familiar with the Bible. And if you become familiar with the whole story of the Bible, then the bits, the parts that aren't for you personally, will make sense because they are part of the whole story of our redemption. Now, there's a second question. Well, there's two more. What does it actually say? In other words, don't get too wrapped up in, how is this going to do me any good today? Because maybe it won't. But knowing what's in there will do you good all the time. So don't worry too much about what you're getting out of it today but just what does it actually say? And then the last question is, why is this in the Bible? Why is this in the Bible? Now, that's a question, I would tell you this, ask the question, but don't worry too much about coming up with an answer. Everything that's in the Bible is in the Bible for a reason. Everything, And the big reason is God sent His Son to be our Savior. That's the big reason. So when you're reading the story of Ruth, you're reading the story of how God God got from the seed of the woman will bruise your head, serpent, how He got from there to Jesus. Jesus who is the seed of the woman who bruises the head of the serpent. The story of Ruth
0: is one little step
1: in that story. So whether you relate to Ruth or not isn't that big of a deal. Because her story relates to you because it relates to Christ. That's a bigger deal. Okay, well, that took a lot longer than I wanted it to, <laughs> but uh, I've, I've made uh, several copies of this. There might be a rush on them. There's only 25 copies, so if you get back to there on that back table, if you get back there and we're out, let me know because I can make more. That would be great. Now you know how big of an optimist I am. One very important thing I could learn about anyone is who do they trust,
0: or what? What do you really believe in? And
1: uh, we could ask this in a different way, like what is the the heart of your belief system? What is the core? The the thing in which you trust above other, all other things. And there is something in that category. Something is in the category, you trust it more than anything else. Typically, for most of us human beings, it is our own independent judgment that I trust more than anything else. In fact... In the fallen condition of humanity, that is a nearly impossible to escape reality. That's the thing I really trust the most. What do I think? How do I assess the situation? What do I believe is true? And of course, if I'm going to talk about what I believe is true, I'm the one doing the believing, so you can't get me out of
0: the equation. But what is the center of your faith.
1: What is that thing you truly trust is the thing from which you derive any security that you have, any safety in this world. It's also the thing from which you derive any guidance that you receive. It's the thing that ultimately informs your decision-making. It's how you say, well, I'm going this way when I could go that
0: way. It also is the thing that, well, determines
1: your perspective, your worldview. How do you see the reality around us? So, for example, do you see the reality around us as some sort of objectively true thing, or do you see it only as a set of your personal perceptions, which is kind of the way we are in the postmodern world. We think, well, there's nothing that's actually true. And we think this because we can't figure out what it is, so we just say, well, never mind it then so we go around thinking, well, nothing's objectively true. There's only my perceptions of things. Except nobody actually thinks that. We all know there's objectively true things. Nobody actually lives according to that sort of postmodern relative truth way because you can't actually live that way. But the thing that you view as your most trusted thing is the thing that determines your perspective. And it's the thing that empowers you. It's the thing that gives you the strength you need to get out of bed in the morning
0: or to do anything else you do. So, what you see as the
1: truth, the ultimate truth, the thing most trustworthy
0: is at the center of who you are. What you trust, you follow. Who you
1: trust, you follow. Now, this is important when we come to this text we're looking
0: at today, which is Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13, verse
1: 7. Here's what it says. Remember those who led you those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you, and considering the result of their conduct, imitate their faith Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now that's a short sentence, so I'm gonna or a couple of sentences I'm gonna read it to you again. Remember those who led you who spoke the word of God to you and considering the result of their conduct, imitate their faith, Jesus Christ, the same, yesterday, today, forever. Now, you might be reading in a text and think, I left something out, and you'd be right. Because what this actually reads in this text is Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But here's the problem this translation, and probably the translation you're reading, probably whatever language that happens to be in, says is. Jesus Christ is. However, the original text does not say is. We put it in there in order to just make a sentence that makes sense. The literal text says Jesus Christ, the same, yesterday and today and forever. Now we're going to come back to that, but I just wanted to note for you that what I'm saying, even though it might be different from what you're reading, it is not different from the original text of the Scripture. Jesus Christ, the same, yesterday, today, and forever. I've titled this Message leaders and imitators. You could say, probably someone has said, the world, there are two
0: different kinds of people in this world leaders and followers.
1: Typically, if someone were to say that to you, they would want to then say, be a leader. Because obviously, it's better to be a leader than a follower. Well, here's what the New Testament says all leading is following. There's no leadership in the church that is not following. The very essence of leading is following. So I would say there's two kinds of people in this world leaders and followers. Be a follower. Now, I'm talking about this because the text says, remember those who led you. And the word led here really is the, word, the, the idea of a leader is a really good translation of this word. This person is a person who goes ahead. This is a person who's set over so can direct others. This is a person who thinks for you. In fact, one of the ways this word is used is to talk about uh, thinking,
0: to be the person who figures something out. Remember those who led you, who,
1: those who gave you a new way of thinking is a good way of saying this. Now, there's three... Kind of commandments in this text. Remember, consider, imitate. Remember, consider, imitate. The thing we're remembering is those people, those who led us. If we're the Hebrew readers of this text, remember them. I think the writer and the reader, the original readers, have a very specific set of people in mind. Like they could tell you their names when the writer of hebrews said remember those who led you who spoke the word of god to you actual faces are coming into the minds of the readers the names of those people and he's saying remember those people who led you so this isn't just a like a general abstract command this is a, a specific thing remember somebody like if I said to you, remember your grandfather, You're not, you wouldn't take that to be uh, remember the concept of grandfathers. You'd have your grandfather in mind. You know him. You know who he is. You would recognize his face. That's what's going on here. Remember those people. The thing we consider is the result of their conduct. It's an interesting expression. Consider their, the result of their conduct. Very interesting. And the thing we imitate is their faith, which is interesting also. We're remembering them. We're considering the outcome of what they did, their way of life,
0: and then we're going to imitate something other than that. Their faith, their faith. All
1: right, so we're going to go through these, I hope, fairly quickly. Remember those who led you. Remember those who gave you a new way of thinking of things, of this world, a whole new perspective on what is the reality of this life. That's what they did. They led you. It's interesting that the, these words, they led, they spoke, these are all like in the past tense. He doesn't say, remember those who lead you, who are speaking the word of God to you. That's curious. He wants them to remember, I think, somebody who's not still around. And somebody who did this way back when. Now, remember, the context of the book of Hebrews is a a group of Christians, a church, and a group of Christians, and among in this group are some people who are thinking of abandoning the Christian faith in order to return to Judaism because the Christian faith is starting to lead to trouble or looks like it's going to. So they're saying, well, maybe it would be safer. I mean, we're, we'll, we, we still believe in Jesus, but we're going to go back to synagogue and the writer of Hebrews is just completely flipped out by this. He can't figure out how anyone could ever come to Christ from the from Judaism, especially from mosaic well well, from first century Judaism, as it was, and come to Christ and then ever consider abandoning that, because Christ is the literal fulfillment of it. It's like he's going to wonder well. I can't figure out how anyone could ever abandon Jesus. Look at how utterly fantastic Jesus is, how superior Jesus is, how Jesus is the very fulfillment of the things for which Moses and the law were only shadows, types.
0: This is the thing itself. Those were only like looking forward to the thing.
1: So, you just can't imagine how they would forget Jesus. And we read in chapter 11 this long list of Old Testament saints looking forward to
0: the coming of the One, looking for the fulfillment of the
1: promises of God all of which are fulfilled in Jesus. And then he starts chapter 12 with Jesus himself, fixing your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. So he's, he's been reminding us of people, primarily Jesus, of course, through the whole text of the book of Hebrews. And now he says, and here's some other people I, you should remember. The people who led you to Christ in the first place. Those people. Who are these people? Well, here's they led you. That's one thing. How did they lead you? They spoke the Word of God to you. They spoke the Word of God. Now, this is the Word, Lagos, the Word. the The Word that John personifies in Jesus Himself, the Eternal Son, made flesh, and we beheld His glory. That word. The word that the writer of Hebrews opened the whole book with when he said, God used to speak in all kinds of ways through different prophets throughout history, and but these days, in these last days, He has spoken to us in His Son. The Word of God. Well, these people that the Hebrews are supposed to remember are the people who spoke that word to them.
0: The Word of God spoken. The Lagos spoken. The gospel. The utterly good news that God is, in
1: fact, after all, good to us in Christ. We sang, or well, we heard in Spanish that song, I will sing of the goodness of God. The goodness of God. There's only one way to really believe in
0: the goodness of God, and that is to see Christ. The love of God made flesh, the Son of God, becoming one of us,
1: presenting the very nature, the gracious nature of God to us. So these folks that they're being called to remember are the folks who spoke the Word of God to them in the first place. They're also, they have a certain way of life that we're called to consider, considering the result of their conduct, their way of life, they, they, have a, they have a conduct, they had, maybe we should say,
0: a conduct that had a result. What was the result?
1: And then he says, while we're remembering them, we're to imitate their faith. So these were people of faith. So remember those who led you, those who spoke the word of God to you, those who conducted themselves in a particular way with a particular result. Maybe we'll find out what that is. And imitate their faith so that they were people of faith. So once we remember these people, then we're supposed to consider something about them, and that is the result of their conduct. It's very
0: interesting here, it doesn't say results. Says result. Singular. Their conduct had a result
1: that were to consider. The result of their conduct. Now what does it mean to consider? Well, it just means to examine something carefully and reflect on it. Think about it. Think about it carefully. This word can be translated with the word count.
0: Count, like regard something as true, or even literally to count things.
1: Consider, consider the result of their conduct. Their conduct is their way of life. Now, the word conduct here also reflects a way of life that reflects a certain set of principles or beliefs in other words their conduct like everyone's conduct their conduct re- flows out of their heart their deep beliefs their convictions their principles what determines your conduct? What determines your conduct is your beliefs. It cannot be otherwise.
0: What you really regard as true determines your conduct. Faith precedes conduct always.
1: We sometimes think, well, I wish I would have done that, but I did this. Well,
0: then at the time, you wished to do this. Okay, so we're not, but we're not
1: asked here to consider their conduct. We're asked to consider the result of their conduct. In other words, they had a certain way of life. Here's the one thing in this text that we know about their way of life. They spoke the Word of God to the Hebrews. That is the only element of their conduct that we are made aware of in this text. We don't know whether they were otherwise particularly honest or whether they were plumbers or electricians. I guess there probably weren't any electricians at that time. Or... Whether they were soldiers or government officials, or we don't, we don't know anything about them, we except this one thing: they spoke the word of God to the Hebrew Christians. That's the one thing we know about their conduct, and this conduct had a result.
0: What was the result? The third thing we're called upon to, here to do is imitate their
1: faith. To me, it's very curious where I'm, I'm called to remember these people, and then I'm called to cogitate, to consider, to think about the, the result of their way of life, and then I'm told to imitate their
0: faith. Why am I not told to imitate their conduct? I'm not. He doesn't say imitate them in some sort of
1: generalized terms. He says imitate their faith. And even after he talks about their conduct, he doesn't say imitate their conduct. He doesn't say try to behave the way they did. This is how we try to live
0: the Christian life so often. What would Jesus do? Well, I have no idea most of the time.
1: I I can't really come up with any answer to that question that I could be confident in other than some vague thing like, well, the right thing. Jesus always did the right thing, so do the right thing. I can't tell what it is. And if Jesus were in my position, would he go to this school or that school? I don't know. Have you ever been wrong in your estimate of what Jesus would do in your situation?
0: 100%
1: of the time you've been wrong. It's kind of like when I ask that question, it's kind of like I, I'm going to go golfing. Anyone here been golfing? <clears throat> you can even do it here in Bonaire. I'm going to go golfing, and I walk up to the tee on the first tee at the golf course, I've got my club,
0: and I ask myself this question, what would Tiger Woods do? i got to say, I have, well, he'd hit the golf ball, and he'd hit it very well.
1: He'd hit it close to perfectly. But I have no idea what that means. Here's the other problem with this question. Suppose I did know. Suppose I knew exactly what Tiger Woods would do, like down to the muscular level. Like I had some kind of weird science going on in my head, and I knew exactly how he would hit that ball. Here's my second problem. I couldn't make this body do that. This is our problem when we adopt Jesus as example
0: rather than Savior. Jesus did it for you. Now,
1: I'm not trying to argue that it's not a good idea to try to work on this problem. Of course it is. If you want to know what's good, whatever Jesus does is good. And there are some general ways in which we can apply that principle. Jesus is always sacrificially loving, and that's a good idea. The writer here says, imitate their faith. Consider the result of their conduct. What was the result of their conduct? Faith in the heart of the listener was the result. Their salvation was the result. When those people were remembering, when those people spoke the Word of God, These people trusted in Christ. That's the result we're talking about here. And he says, if you consider the result of their conduct, imitate their faith, I wouldn't worry too much about their conduct. Their situation in life is not the same as yours. Now, what's good and right is always good and right. And the text of Scripture is full of information about that. So, yes, do what's good and right. But he's not calling upon them to imitate these guys in general. He's saying imitate their faith. Here's some things about their faith. It has a personal object. To me, it's a curiosity. In fact, it is in biblical scholarship, it's a curiosity, this sentence that immediately follows. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Like, you're reading along and you're reading all this stuff about, you know, the uh, don't neglect hospitality, uh, remember prisoners, um, marriages to be held in high regard, and uh, your characters to be free of the love of money, and remember these guys who spoke the Word of God. And then writing in the... Like, boom, Jesus Christ the same
0: yesterday, today, forever. How does that fit
1: in the flow of this text? The answer is
0: that is the object of their faith. Remember, imitate their faith.
1: Their faith is Jesus Christ, the same, yesterday, today, forever. It's the thing he's talking about. So he says, imitate their faith. You say, what's their faith? Jesus Christ, the same, yesterday, today, forever. Their faith had a personal object. In other words... We sometimes would describe, we would talk about the faith, and what we mean when we say the faith is we mean the
0: the systematic teaching of our belief system, the faith. Well, that's not wrong, which we're going to talk about here in a second,
1: but our faith is not faith in just a belief system. It certainly is that. But our faith is personal. So our faith is this kind of faith. Do you trust me? Do you trust me? Now, how much of that is involved in how much
0: information you have about me, what you know of me. I would guess that a very,
1: tiny perspe- per, a very tiny percentage of the people in this
0: room know the first name of my father. And I would ask you this, does that have anything to do with whether you trust me? Well, it could. It could. There's not no
1: relationship between who was my father and can you trust me.
0: But there, we're talking about two different things. And our faith,
1: the faith of the Christian faith, is personal. Here's the thing. The whole universe is personal because the whole universe is the creation of a persons for other persons
0: that He also created. So the persons of God created
1: the everything to be the house of the persons of humanity. Well... Our faith is in a person, the eternal Son made flesh, the Lord Jesus Christ, who died and rose for our redemption. Their faith had a personal object. Their faith also had propositional content. That's a big old fancy word, propositional content. What does that mean? It asserts that certain things are true and certain other things are not true. It does have teaching. It does have doctrine. In fact, that doctrine is so important that the the idea that we have a faith with a personal object is a doctrine. We have a doctrine of the triune God, a personal doctrine. A three personal unit. That's a doctrine. And you can't have the faith in the person and not have the doctrinal content of that faith. They must go together. Now, the thing we trust is the person. And because we trust him, we believe what he says. What he teaches, what about what is true in all of its little details? And here, this is referenced in our text by they spoke the word. These people came to the Hebrew Christians, and they said things, and those things add up to trust him. Now, the other thing about this faith is it has a corresponding way of life. They had a certain conduct, and their conduct
0: is some kind of reflection of their belief. If this is true, then believing it behaves in a certain way.
1: Just like whatever you believe to be true governs your behavior. That's always
0: true. And if He is the living Word, trusting Him follows Him. So as we
1: imitate their faith, we're imitating trust Christ. Well, this is just a repetition of this whole message of the book of Hebrews. Christ is the prize. Trust Him. Fix your eyes on Him the author and finisher of our faith. Trust is at the heart of it. The very nature of our relationship with God begins with trusting Christ and never graduates from trusting Christ into something else. It only bears the fruit of trusting Christ In various ways, including our conduct. But it has a certain conduct. If this is true, then I will behave this way. If He's the living Word, if He's my Redeemer, then I love Him, and loving Him, He said it Himself, results in keeping His commandments. The first
0: and most important of which is love him oh, and your neighbor. What is the result? What is the result? The result
1: is the word on display. The word on display. What was the result of their conduct? They spoke the word to other people. And I think they didn't just speak it because... He doesn't say, listen to what they said. Remember what they said. He says, consider the result of their way of life. What they said included how they lived. And what they said was validated by how they lived. And what they, how they lived was determined by what they believed, which is what they said. The result, the word shown... The Word put on display, the light shone,
0: the truth announced. So far
1: we've only been talking about the Hebrew Christians, the first readers of this letter and the, those who led them. Unlike the Hebrew Christians, I, can't, I don't know any of, those, any of their names. Now, I could remember those who led me. That might be good. Consider the, the result of their conduct, which was my salvation, and imitate their faith, which was to trust themselves and their eternal destiny to Jesus. So I will trust myself and my eternal destiny to Jesus. If we want to generalize this, we can. But that's how. We want to say follow good followers. That text we read in Thessalonians,
0: it has this in it. You became imitators, it said. You became imitators of us.
1: I think in this exact sort of way. Because if you read that text carefully, the thing they really imitated was the faith. They became imitators
0: in that they became those who trust in Christ and what He has done. But here's the other thing it says. When they became imitators... They also became something else, examples, examples.
1: The, the words for imitate and example here in, second, in First Thessalonians are words that come from uh, coin making. <clears throat> in those days, you made coins by hitting metal with a hammer. So the word tupo or type, it's the word we get our English word type from. Uh, And a typewriter is a pretty good example because here's what happens in a typewriter. I know I'm speaking of ancient technology now, but this is what happens with typewriters. There's a ribbon with some ink in it. There's a piece of paper. What's on this side? The type, which is a piece of metal. It has the image of the letter, and the word tupo in Greek literally means punch. Like if you punched somebody, you'd use this word. It means to strike. Well, that's what happens with the typewriter. The type is on the end of this arm, and when you hit the key, you had to hit it with some force, the arm swings up and strikes the ribbon which strikes the paper, which imparts the image from the whatever that thing's called to the paper. Or in coin making in ancient Greece, you had a die and you had a little ball of metal. You put the metal in the die, you put the other half of the die on top and you strike it with a hammer and the image that's on the die is transferred to the coin. That's what's going on in this text. That's what's going on in the biblical concept of discipleship is the image of the Son of God is transferred
0: through the following of good followers.
1: Follow who's a good follower?
0: What am I to think of when I'm thinking of following a good follower? The, the result, the faith. Imitate their faith.
1: Imitate their faith. You, you, you might benefit by imitating their conduct. But we all conduct ourselves in various ways, some of which would apply to you and some wouldn't. But one thing that does apply to you is their faith their trust in Him. What this means is when you follow a good follower, you end up following Christ. This is exactly what Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Be an imitator, same exact word of me, as I imitate Christ. Don't just imitate the conduct, imitate the faith. That thing that you trust the most is the thing that makes you safe. Whatever level of security you have in this life comes from there. Whatever guidance you need in this life comes out of what or who do you trust. If I trust Christ and Christ says, well, this is how you ought to go, then that's how I'm going. The... Uh, faith, my central faith, is the thing that determines my outlook on everything, my view of what is the meaning of things, my perspective. It's also the thing that empowers me to do anything. If I'm secure in Christ, I can be bold to speak the Word of Christ. Even if i'm in danger and that's what brings us back to the story in hebrews the hebrews were thinking ah this is getting kind of dangerous i don't know maybe we should hedge on this jesus talk and the writer of hebrews is saying don't do that jesus is the prize jesus is the thing itself trust christ if you trust christ you have the life of christ and even if they kill you, you won't be dead. You can endure any day. You have the power to continue to do what's right, to act boldly in the gospel if the gospel's true. What matters is what is that thing I trust? That thing is the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for the privilege You've given to us to know Him. Encourage us, Lord, move us in Your Spirit, by Your Spirit, to keep our eyes fixed, to keep our faith focused, so that we are those people
0: who trust in Him. We thank You, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.